and we are live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soul Survivor Podcast. I'm Ryan Winthrop, and uh, my co-host Dylan is not here with me tonight. He has a work conflict, but I'll be here to break down everything that we saw at the two-hour merge episode tonight. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter just to let everyone know that Dylan and I will be recording again either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday to get his thoughts on the episode. We want to get his thoughts in there so he can break it all down with us, but I will go into it as much as I can by myself um, just to help fill the time. If anyone has any questions or comments, put them in the chat and I will answer them. Uh, hey, Christian. Hey, Lightning. Uh, do I sound good? Does everything look good? Uh, you know, normally Dylan sets it all up, so hopefully you can hear me and see me all good, but unless I see anything else, I'll uh, I'll keep rolling. So anyway, for tonight's merge episode, uh, we'll start with the vote really quickly, and then as always, we'll go back to the beginning, go through it chronologically, and then we'll recap at the votes because there's a lot to go here. And kind of like Christian says in the chat about High and Omar, that was kind of the story at the bookend of it. You know, for me, it really felt like a chess match, honestly, between Omar and High, two power players, two fans who know the game, and they're each looking to make a move that benefits them. And it's going to come down to who has more sway in the game. And we saw tonight that Lydia got voted out. So clearly Omar's push here was the one that carried the day and he got his way tonight. Now, I want to talk about the votes really quickly because I'm not sure if anyone else had this opinion, but I had a gut feeling for some reason when I saw High go up to vote and then I saw him put the vote in the urn and then I saw how he looked at Lydia when she left, something in me just said, I feel like High knows it's a wrap and High is going to vote her out because he doesn't have the numbers. And I, I actually took a video of this so I can confirm what the votes were because I didn't want to mess anything up. We saw um, basically six votes on Lydia, two votes on Marianne, two votes on Jonathan, and one vote on Lindsay, or Linz, as uh, as Roxroy wrote in a really weird way. But basically, it was uh, six to two to two to one, so 11 votes, because Omar, again, lost his vote due to the summit. So, hi, Jonathan, Lindsay, Drea, Marianne, and Mike all voted Lydia out. And technically, Omar would have as well if, um, you know, um, if he had a vote. He didn't have a vote tonight, but I guarantee you he would have voted with that group. So this is very interesting to me because the biggest thing we saw tonight in terms of strategy was the formation of an eight-person alliance. And it looks like this alliance tried to vote together the best they could, um, although Marianne wasn't included in that group and she still voted with them. I'm wondering here, in terms of High and Mike, they probably tried to save Lydia and they realized that the votes weren't there. I have a feeling that um, High tried to save Lydia after Omar went to him. He tried to go around, get the votes onto Marianne. And I'm thinking he was told, sorry, it's not going to happen. We're going to vote out Lydia. And that's that sucks for High because it's Lydia's number one ally. So that really loses him a valuable piece in the game. But I don't think it's all bad for High because number one, he clearly um, made a lot of moves tonight to position himself in the game. Because even though he his ally went home, people told him. It's one thing if they went to tribal council and he got completely blindsided by the vote. But what ended up happening was Omar went to him and said, hey, we're thinking of voting out Lydia. I wanted to run that by you first. So at least he wasn't left out of the vote. 
And the fact that he voted Lydia out along with Mike showed that he said, you know what? I don't want to be left out. I want to vote with them. I don't want to be a target at the next tribal council. So I will concede. And you know, what's funny is that I think that's the mark of a good player where, you know, I would never want to let my ally go home. But that being said, um, you know, you, you have to know when to stop. You have to know when to stop pushing because then you become the next biggest threat and you become somebody where they say, if they're going to ride or die for them, they have to go. So I feel like Hyde at the right moment said, you know what, I have to just cut bait and move forward with this group. So I'm not the target. And it looks like I'm not going to spoil anything from the previews, but we still have the usual suspects of, you know, Tori, Chanel, Marianne, like who's going to, you know, be the low man on the totem pole. So for now, it seems like high is good. Anything can obviously change, but I think this is showing that um, the big group that try to stay together will still try to work together in some capacity. Uh, we also saw it really quickly before we go back to the beginning, we saw no idols or advantages played tonight. So no shots in the dark and no idol. So for me, it's interesting because Marianne was on the chopping block along with Lydia and Jonathan and Lindsay. Now, I don't think Lindsay was ever a serious consideration. The only reason to vote out Lindsay here is if you want to weaken Jonathan, but because he doesn't have immunity and he's vulnerable anyway, you could just take the shot at him. So Lindsay had no reason to play her, her shot in the dark here. I think Jonathan and Marianne, I guess both realized that they, the votes were there and they felt safe enough not to play the shot in the dark or in Marianne's case, play her idol as well as her extra votes. I guess they were both confident enough in that group that formed so that way they had the votes on Lydia to go. Because I thought for sure Marianne was going to play something. I thought for sure, because she was a serious consideration tonight, that it was she was going to play either the idol or the shot in the dark. And I guess she really had the full confidence in that group to um, that, that they would vote out Lydia here. And it's so interesting because, as we'll see tonight, as we go through the podcast and the whole episode... It was a really even merge. You know, you have three tribes of four, Vati, Ika, and Taku all had four members going into the merge. Also, it was actually an even gender split as well. So it was a very even merge across the board. And trust me, we'll get to the hourglass because I have still a lot of grievances to air with the hourglass. But it was a very even merge, but they weren't all tight groups of four. You know, Tori was clearly on the outs and wanted to flip. Chanel is clearly on the outs and Marianne is clearly on the outs. So I'm going to be very interested to see now that we are at final 11 and the jury has now started, I'm going to be very curious to see what's going to happen. And will the people on the bottom still look to flip or what's going to be the new power structure? Is that Alliance going to stay intact now or are there still going to be fractures? So we'll have to see. Uh, but as always, let's go back to the start of the episode and I will break it down the best I can without Dylan here. And we'll see how it goes. And as always, keep putting your questions in the chat. I see a couple of great questions that I'll get to at the end or any comments you have, and I'll go through them all. Got pl plenty of time. Got to fill it all by myself. So let's get started. Um, so we start off, obviously, as we always do after the Tribal Council. We start off at Vati, the Green Tribe. And <laughs> for anybody out there who doesn't know the tribe names, you know, I, I do feel you. I think, you know, back in the day, I used to, you know, know I knew all the tribe names. I still know most of them. But as time goes on, you just you just don't lose track of them. So if you struggle to know what the tribe names are, you're all good to go. We are now merged into a purple tribe where we don't have a name yet. But you no longer have to say, well, who was Vati? Who was Ika? Who was Taku? Green, orange, blue, whatever. So we left, uh, we started the episode after Tribal Council with Vati, the green tribe. 
And Chanel basically explains that she voted for Mike. Now, this is interesting because Dylan and I talked last week and we said, what is Chanel going to do? Because she confirmed that she voted for Mike to save herself. She confirmed that in case Daniel played his shot in the dark and he was safe, she decided to throw a vote on to Mike, kind of like Devin did with Dr. Mike back in season 35, to save herself in case he played the shot in the dark and then it would be a 1-1 tie with Mike. And then she would have a chance to stay. Now, she probably still could have left, but it was at least a fighting chance. So she explains that to them. And understandably so, Mike is pissed. Mike Mike is like, you know, I, I can't trust you anymore. I, I can't do a good New Jersey accent. I'll, but um, he says, you know, I can't trust you anymore. Um, You know, you voted for me. Uh, I'll say to your face that we're good, but I don't want to work with you in this game. And Dylan and I had talked about, well, can't she just blame Daniel? Because Daniel's gone. He's not on the jury. He can't defend himself. So why not just push all the blame onto him? And I think what I realize now is she really can't because there's if this is a tribe of five or now we're down to four for them. This isn't like a tribe of 12 at the merge where you can hide your votes. Like there's nowhere to hide here. Lydia and Hi are each other's ride or die. So they're not going to lie each other. They're not going to lie to each other. So they both can say, I voted for Daniel. There was two votes on Daniel, two votes on Chanel, one for Mike. We were the two on Daniel. And I and I guarantee you Chanel could have tried to fight it, but they're not lying to each other, so they know those are the votes. And Chanel didn't vote for herself. So by process of elimination, she had to vote for Mike. And I think I realized that um, in the days after the podcast, I said to myself, she can try to claim that, that, that vote, but I think it makes her look worse because, you know, again, she can't accurately claim a Daniel vote because Hi and Lydia are going to say that that was all them. So she was in a bad spot here. I think she did the best she could have saved herself. But obviously, like we see in the episode, Mike doesn't trust her at all. And as we see throughout the episode, Hi does not want to work with her, nor does Lydia. And and this was very hard to watch. I'm a, I'm a Chanel fan. I like I like Hi. I'm a little biased. They're both on my draft team, Hi and Chanel. But uh, this is this was uncomfortable. As was as we'll see later, seeing Chanel go up to conversations and be left out of them and they walk away, which is very, it's, it's the worst feeling. You know, if I was on Survivor, that would be one of the worst feelings in the world to walk up to a group, they're talking, and then 10 seconds later, they say, hey, let's go check the uh, this, the fish traps or let's go spear fishing. It's like, they don't want to talk to you and they don't want to work with you. So yeah, not a great episode for Chanel tonight. So my, uh, my draft hopes are kind of hanging on high at this point, even though I think Omar has a better chance to uh, pull this out. Um, but yeah, so after we leave the Vati tribe and we go over to Ika, we basically get a whole segment of Roxroy versus Tori. Now, at this point, who hasn't Tori fought with? Tori's fought with Roxroy. She fought with Zach. She argued with Swathi at her tribal council. She argued with Drea. So at this point, Tori, I don't know what everyone in the comments thinks about Tori, but it's so interesting. Tori is, I definitely think, a bit annoying. And I think she constantly digs her grave because she talks too much. And she airs a lot of dirty laundry and people can't trust her at all. And I, I, and like we see in a lot of seasons, I think if Tori didn't win tonight, I think she was gone. I think we see this all the time in Survivor, whether it's at the merge or later in the merge, where there's a consensus target like your Abby Maria. They're going to go home no matter what. And then they win immunity. And then all your plans went out the window. And I, I think the edit was pretty clear tonight that if Tori didn't win, she was gone. Especially after Roxroy change the game and uh, smash the hourglass. So I think for sure Tori was going to go here if she didn't win. And she's arguing with Roxroy because she says to him, 
well, you know, you went to the summits and you told me that you protected your vote, but what really happened? I want to know more. And he's like, relax. I'm, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not telling anybody. It's not only a you thing. I don't want to tell them what happened at the summits. And she, she wants more. She wants more information and he's not giving it to her and he's getting very frustrated. She's getting very annoyed. And you see in the corner, Romeo and Drea saying, okay, Tori's just so messy. Tori is so messy. And I, I, I don't know if, you know, Tori, we can work with her in this game. And again, as we'll see in the game later at the merge feast, Tori will say and do anything to protect herself. And granted, as Lightning Blitz says in the comments, you know, I really think that Tori, you know, kind of reminds us of, of an, a villain, whether it's an old school villain, new school villain. And listen, we always need villains. The show would be boring if it was 20 heroes, 20 people who are, you know, super fans, game bots. Like, we need villains. We need people to root for, and we, and we, we need people to root against. I once saw something either on a podcast or a video, I can't remember what, what it was, but somebody always said the best, you know, what, uh, the best thing is that you either love someone on a TV show or something, or you hate it. The worst thing is to have no opinion, because if you're indifferent on that, it hasn't left an impact on you and you couldn't care less what happens. You want to either love the person and the player, or you want to root against them. And I think that's what makes a great player to watch at least. So I, we have our players that we're rooting for and we have our players that we're rooting against. So I think that's why it's fun to see Tori on here, but it's pretty messy to watch. And uh, I'll be interested to see what's Tori's fate in the game. Cause I think I have a couple ideas on where she'll land at this point. But after we get uh, through Ika, you know, we have the hourglass and look, I mean, I would love to know if anybody likes the hourglass in the comments, but I, I've got to say, I feel like Jeff tried. He tried. He's like, you know what? We did this last season. We did an experiment. We're going to change up some variables. And it's the same twist, Jeff. I mean, and, and I guarantee you, if you check out any other podcast, you watch any other video, you go on Twitter, you're going to see people annoyed because it's the same thing last season where they lied to the players. They told the players, this is your buff. You won. You're in the merge. You're guaranteed final 11. Actually, no, psych. Uh, if they smash the hourglass, you don't get that. You won the challenge just to lose. And I'm actually surprised that it was this similar. They changed some variables, but I'm surprised it was this similar because as we heard in interviews, Danny and the others from season 41 told Jeff to his face, this is a terrible twist. You lied to us. We have been hoodwinked and bamboozled and led astray and run amok, flat out deceived. So... I thought for sure Jeff would say, okay, we're going to do something a bit different with the hourglass this time. All they really changed was, and you all can tell me if I forgot anything, the winning tribe will either get to choose one of the two people that are not playing or send one of your own to exile. That's one of the new items. The other new variable is uh, the players will be told that the person going to exile has the power to change the game. So to be fair, the last time the players didn't know that Erica could change the game and they didn't have a choice to send one of their own. They had to send either Nasir or Erica. And that so 41 definitely had it worse where they were given no information and they were like, what the hell? What just happened? 42, they were given some more information. And as Drea and others pointed out, Jeff was kind of like, are you sure? Do you want to send one of your own? He was trying to get them to understand there's more to this than you think. They didn't take the hint. 
but I think as Ohio State says in the chat, it's it's still a terrible twist. You're essentially lying to the players. They win immunity. They're safe. And you take it all away. And again, this is one of the reasons why I've been on the podcast for a while saying I don't like the idol nullifier. I like I love the idol. I didn't like extra votes. I don't mind seal of votes. I like some advantages, not all, some. But I hate the idol nullifier because immunity means you're safe. You win immunity or you have an idol, that means you can't go home. It's the most important thing in the game. So to nullify that defeats the whole purpose of you know the game in a way. So I don't like the nullifier. And I don't like this hourglass twist and you can't defend it as lightning says, you can't tweak it. And, and I think someone said this earlier too. I think it's gone next season. I think they were able to get away with doing 41 and 42 back to back. And for a couple things, number one, they did things back to back to try different variables to see if different things would work. Some are paying off, some might not, and they can get away with it because 42 didn't see 41. But once they get back from 42, they've seen the feedback. And now they know as they head out to film 43, and I think 43 is either filming right now or it's about to film, they got feedback and they're going to see, okay, they like this. They didn't like this. They can't repeat the hourglass twist because people hate it and people don't want to see it again. They can't redo the beware advantages because people will now know the phrases. So if you don't like all these new twists, I believe me, I'm not a fan of some of them myself. If you don't like them, you're probably not going to see them again on 43. I think we're going to see um, some similar things, but I think it'll be a mostly different game. But, you know, the game is always changing. I mean, we thought fire tokens were the future. That got changed. We think that all these little gimmicky advantages are the future. That might change as well. So we're going to have to see what happens in 43 going forward. But once we, uh, once Jeff kind of tells them these details, we get our two groups. You have your uh, orange group, Jonathan, Marianne, Lydia, hi, and Tori and your blue group, Chanel, Mike, Drea, Romeo, and Omar. Omar, sorry. And Lindsay and Roxroy are sitting out. Um, and as always, we said this since the premiere, it's happening every single episode. Jonathan once again dominates this challenge and carries his group to the puzzle. Now, Marianne and um, who did it with her? Marianne and I think Lydia did the puzzle for Orange. So they still, you know, won it in the end, but Jonathan carried them there. He did everything. And it was very interesting to see during the challenge, the Marianne versus uh, the Marianne versus Jonathan arguments. You know, Survivor, I said this on Twitter, Survivor is very good at storytelling. You see Roxroy and Tori arguing, and then it eventually will culminate in something else. You see Marianne and Jonathan arguing. Even though they don't lose the challenge, that culminates in something later. So they're always very good at saying, we're going to set something up. We're going to tease it. We're going to show you more and more, and it'll come to a head eventually. And that's why Survivor is such a great show, and it's so captivating, because you get to see story arcs like this pay off. Um, the other thing I was surprised with is that Drea kind of struggled in this challenge. Um, I think we've made the argument for a while now that if Jonathan's the strongest on the season, you can make an argument for Mike being the second strongest and Drea being the third. So I was a bit surprised that Drea kind of struggled um, getting up the boulder because that kind of put Blue behind. And I, I don't know if they would have won in the end with the puzzle, but they were really far behind and they just had no chance to catch up. Uh, and I want to just say that I feel like it, Drea, Drea just had to be physically exhausted. I feel like she had to be so exhausted or maybe she was, you know, her knee was injured or something because I didn't expect her to struggle that much. But I don't think it's going to hurt her game that much. You know, she clearly seems to be well positioned back at camp as we'll see later, 
but it was just interesting to see. Um, so then after the challenge, the orange group, as I figured, ch chooses to bring Lindsay with them and they send Roxroy to exile. Now, I think this makes sense for a couple of reasons. You know, number one, her allies are, you know, the taco group. So you have, you know, you have Jonathan and you have Marianne in that group. And even though Marianne's on the outs, they're still, according to the group as a perception, Taku strong. And they're going to want to save her because she's part of that group. And I feel like the only person that would have maybe wanted Roxroy to go with them from his original tribe is Tori. And Tori and Roxroy don't get along. So I knew as soon as Jeff said, you're going to pick either Lindsay or Rox to be safe with you. I knew they were going to pick Lindsay at that point. And like I said earlier, now Jeff says, well, okay, you can either send Roxroy or one of your own. Do you sure you want to send Roxroy? And they still did it. And I think we all can, you can confirm this in the chat. I think all of us kind of collectively said, Oh, he's going to smash it. He's going to smash the hourglass because Tori's over there. He doesn't like Tori. He's not safe. It, it's going to happen. And he's going to relish in Tori sending him to exile. And then he gets to make sure she's not safe. It was so fun to watch, you know, Roxroy and Tori just argue the whole episode. Um, but yeah, no, kind of like Ohio State says in the chat as well. Um, we then go to... Exile. Oh, sorry. Before we get to exile, I, I have to I have to mention this. How could I forget? Before we even get to exile, I cannot believe we brought back Applebee's. It, I mean, listen, Karishma must be really happy out there because I don't I cannot understand the excitement these players had for Applebee's. I, I know they're starving. These are the hardest uh, quote unquote hardest seasons of Survivor with no food, you know, limited resources. So they're starving out there. So any food would sound good. But it's Applebee's. And, and I feel, I, I love on Twitter when you see former players and other people saying, I wonder if they had to do multiple takes to say, no, guys, guys, get excited, get excited. It's Applebee's. Show excitement for this. Because Marianne was losing her mind, as she always does. Lindsay was losing her mind. They were all going, Mike, Mike, apparently Mike loves Applebee's. Mike and Lin, uh, Karishma can go to Applebee's together. So I was very surprised we uh, saw Applebee's again. Um so yeah, so we go to exile, and Roxroy is doing pretty well. He um he's thriving out there, uh you know like Tori said at the merch feast, all he cares about is the fire and the shelter. He's built to be outside. He loves the survival stuff, and he's thriving out there. He's getting emotional watching the sunset. He feels blessed to have this experience, and he feels like you know what I should be annoyed and upset, but I'm not. This is two days to myself to build a shelter and to just have this time to relax, not have Tori in my back, and just enjoy the game of Survivor for what it is. And I, I have a couple of friends who really enjoy watching Roxroy because he for sure feels like an old school character. Like you can argue Tori feels like an old school or new school villain, but Roxroy feels like very old school Survivor. Like you can compare him to like even like Butch on Survivor Amazon where Roxroy's like, I need more firewood. I need more firewood. Like you, you need firewood, you double what you have. So it's really cool to see Roxroy out there. Somebody who, again, like he mentions, he's not a big player in this game. He doesn't have a great social game, but he really enjoys getting to have this experience for what it is. It's kind of funny though, to say, you know, I'm away from my wife who's nagging me and I feel bad for 
<laughs> Roxroy watching this back live tonight uh, at his house because I guarantee you his wife's not going to be happy that he said that you nagged me on national TV. But um, yeah, so we don't see Roxroy again really until he makes his decision. But we have a lot of stuff, you know, before then. We get to the merch feast at Applebee's, super exciting. And Tori is continuing to air her tribe's dirty laundry. Like I said before, Tori is right away saying, you know, I don't like Roxroy. I like Drea and Romeo, but I don't like Roxroy. He uh, is, you know, so bossy and he cares about the shelter and that's it. He's hard to work with. And according to her in confessional, she's like, I want to come off as a free agent. You know, I want people to use me, use me as a vote and you can, I can work with you. The problem is though, she just seems untrustworthy because again, as we see later in the episode, her name along with Chanel and Marianne, before we get to the hourglass decision, she's one of the three people that are being discussed. People just know that they can't trust her. Not only does her own tribe not want to work with her, these new people are being told hey, Tori is untrustworthy. We can't work with her. And I feel like if you're going to the merch piece and you're right away saying, I will sell out my old tribe, I will flip with you to get a number, in my opinion, that's someone who I don't want to work with because as someone said in the game, I think Roxroy said it actually, you know, you want to be predictable. Being predictable is the best thing in Survivor. The thing you don't want in the game is unpredictability. If you have a variable that you don't know what they're going to do, it's very scary because they can screw your whole game up in a way that doesn't even make sense. I've heard former players, I've heard Rob say this, I've heard a lot of people mention this. You'd rather be in the game with people who know what they're doing. And yes, they might be threats to you because they're very strategic, but you know for them, what's the logical move? If you're in the game with people who are unstable, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say unstable. If they're, you know, you know crazy, also not great. If they are, you know, bouncing off the walls, if they're willing to flip and scheme and make moves, you can't work with them. And, you know, you know, they, they often say that, you know, likability is a liability, but unpredictability is a huge liability because you just can't trust that player. You rather know what's happening. They people also say as well, you know, the best players not only know what their optimal move is, they know what others optimal move is so a great player not only knows what the best move for them to make is they know what their opponent's best move is and again like i mentioned it's scary because if you're in a game with a lot of unpredictable people like tori and you don't know what her best move is that's very you know alarming to be in that situation so um back at camp they talk about roxroy and the twist and this was very interesting to me drea actually clocks this right away Drea says, you know, what could happen with this hourglass? I think Roxroy might be able to flip it. I think Roxroy could swap immunity for the two groups. Now, we know 42 didn't see 41. So how Drea managed to predict this is beyond me. You know, I would have been understanding if Drea said, okay, well, an hourglass turns you back in time. So maybe we have to redo the challenge. Like that would, would have been like, that's a fair guess. I did not think she was going to clock it and say, I think that we could be safe and the Jonathan group could be vulnerable tonight. So, you know, good for Drea. Good for Drea to call that out right away because that's actually what ends up happening. And another cool thing that we get to see is 
Drea and Mike connect. I, I've been very impressed with Mike. Dylan and I like Mike a lot. Um, you know, I think a lot of people had certain perceptions of Mike or Jonathan before the season. And I think we've seen that they've proven to beat those, you know, those perceptions and those first impressions. Mike is so likable. I, I, I feel like I have not seen a single negative thing about Mike. You know, you can either like Marianne or dislike Marianne. You might like some of the other players or just like them. I feel like I've seen only positive things about Mike. He's very likable. He's very funny. He seems like a great ally. Cause like he says to hi and Lydia before tonight, I will ride with you. I, whatever you want me to do, I will do it. And I think people are going to discount him. Now here's the thing though, whenever Jonathan, if Jonathan does leave, Mike could be the next person that they look at. You know, they always say um, the tallest piece of bamboo gets cut off and you don't want to be the next tallest piece. And I feel like that could be Mike, but we see tonight he gets pulled into an eight-person alliance. He connects with Drea. He, you know, he's still close with High and Lydia. You know, he was laughing with some other people. I mean, we saw him laughing with Tori at one point, so maybe Tori wouldn't have wanted to go for him. So he's a really likable guy. And even in the pre-merge, when you know Jenny left, Mike was still positioned well because High brought him in, and everyone likes to go to Mike. So keep looking out for Mike. I think Mike could be a great. Um, pick if you want to say who could be the winner if you if you want to say you know who are you know the winner picks or who are people who could get the winner's edits you could think about hi you can think about omar after tonight romeo got a lot of great stuff tonight and mike got a lot of great stuff too i feel like those are the four that i would look at as my front runners like who could win the season now anyone can win we we said last season that erica wasn't really going to win and we only didn't we only started to think that after the merge, and then once we got to final eight, seven, especially after the sham votes, once we got past the sham vote, and then we got to seven, six, and five, we were talking, and we were like, okay, R R Ricard could win if he gets there, Deshaun could win, Erica's maybe like the third pick over Xander, but like, she could win, we didn't see it coming, like Ohio State says in the chat, I think the editing has changed this time, and we're getting a lot more front runners, and we're seeing a lot more people that could win this game. And I think we're getting more even confessionals like last season, Erica and Heather barely got any content, even though they were doing a lot in the game more than we saw. And I think this time the person who was the least edited was Lydia and Lydia went home tonight. And then even Lindsay was kind of under edited, but she's been shown a bit more in this merge episode. Everybody else in the game, Mike, Chanel, hi, Omer, Marianne had gotten a lot of confessionals. So it's much more even this time, which I, which I think, which makes for a better viewing experience personally. But, um, we, that's what I was saying. We see, you know, Mike and Drea connect and they want to look out for each other. And they say, you know what? We're both strong players. If I hear your name, I'll, I'll tell you, you hear my, hear my name. Just let me know. Um, we both know that we have beware advantages. So we want to work together with that. Um, and kind of like we thought they wanted to combine Ika and Taku. They want, sorry, Ika and Vati. They wanted to combine green and blue. Now Chanel and Tori are kind of on the outs, but as we see in this eight person alliance, Drea and her allies want to work with Mike and his allies and take out Taku and that really tight four that Jonathan was saying. That's what we see at first. You know, things kind of change later, but that's what we see there where Blue and Green want to team up against Orange because Orange is a really, really tight group and Jonathan is the biggest threat in the game. Um, and then we also see for the first time since the premiere, Hi, Lindsay, and Drea connect. We haven't seen them connecting since they got their amulets because we haven't swapped tribes. They've been separate. None of them 
I don't think any of them crossed on any summit trips. So they have been isolated. They now connect. And they all realize that when you first read this, the annuals kind of act like a bounty on your head. It's like, oh my God, well, I have to go vote for you and vote for you because I want the idol. Three of them together makes an extra vote, which isn't that powerful. Two together is a steal a vote, which is fine, but I'd rather have an idol because an idol is more of a surefire thing. So they all say that, that they could turn on each other, excuse me, but they say, you know what? We like each other. Maybe we should vote together. Maybe we should try to look out for each other for a little bit. Do I think this is going to last? Maybe in the short term, maybe next week and the week after, but come final eight or seven, I would be very shocked if they don't go for each other. Because even High says in confessional, it puts a bounty on you. And, you know, I have to figure out, will Lindsay and Drea strike first? They seem like strong players. They could strike at me first, so I may have to take the first swing. And that's always a key question in Survivor that people debate. That We hear all the time that timing is everything. If you swing too late, you're going to lose because you're sitting next to the wrong person. If you swing too early, then you're taking out a big threat, but you become the next biggest threat self. So the balance of timing is one of the hardest things to do in Survivor. So if you figure that out, that's a great skill to have. Um, the next segment we see actually is a segment with Marianne. And Marianne is also making a lot of connections like Mike is. Um, I think a lot of people we saw tonight, Omer, Hi, Marianne, Mike, we get to see all these connections forming with them. So it was very interesting to see how they're going to be positioned, you know, for the upcoming votes. But Marianne's talking to her Taku group. Um, she's talking with Romeo. She's like, oh, maybe we can work with Lydia and Omer for the smaller people, you know, take out the bigger threats. And she's like, you know, I have some power now with my idol and my extra vote, but, you know, I have some agency in this game. And she's making some connections there. Uh, we get a few more segments before the immunity challenge. Um, I still, I feel like we still have a lot to go and I see even more questions in the chat. So I will get to all of them um, after this recap. So thank you everybody for keeping to submit questions and comments. Looking forward to breaking it down with you even deeper after this. But basically the next segment we get is Mike and Jonathan. That's another connection that bonds. They are both, you know, stronger guys. They bond over perceptions and stereotypes. People look at us, they think of us in a certain way. They don't think I they don't think I have a lot more going on up here or that I have a, a kind personality and they respect each other. And this is kind of what I was saying earlier, where you know, Mike is making a lot of connections and people underestimated Jonathan too. People thought Jonathan was gonna have a certain personality trait about him. People thought that he was going to, you know, be targeted right away. And it sounds like, you know. I mean, granted, he did get a couple of votes as tribal council, but that being said, he still has a group that he's working with. So I think he's still positioned decently well, but I feel like the next time he loses a challenge, his name is going to get brought up and it's going to keep getting brought up unless he goes on a run, I think at this point. But it was really interesting to see that conversation happen between Mike and Jonathan, because I feel like that's the conversation that I've had with you all in the chat and also with my friends um, and people on social media, because everyone has been saying, oh, we perceive them one way but they're actually, you know, not what we think at first. So it's, it's always cool to see if our perceptions are wrong. I, mean, I think things would be boring if everything we predict came true. I mean, I would like to be right all the time. I hope I would be, but it's always cool to see things change and you say, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. Another great segment I think we got right before the commercial break 
sorry, I think we get two more things, is Romeo and High. And they're talking on the beach about their connection um, with the LGBT community. And it was really interesting because Romeo was saying how he respects High. And he was saying he respects High because, you know, he tries to fit in and he, and he changes his personality and he tweaks certain things to not stand out as much. And he respects that High doesn't care. And High is going to be who he is and he doesn't care if people don't like it or not because he is who he is and i think it was a very powerful segment and i hope that if anybody out there um you know connected with it uh i think it was a great thing for the show to uh talk about it and show it i think it's you know great for representation i think it's a really interesting cast really fun group of characters so i'm always glad to see these conversations happen um and you know it was really nice because hi was like look i i I am here for you. I will always connect with you. I will look out for you. And I don't want to go against you. Um, I, I need to remember if Romeo or High is older. Because I, I wonder if if High is older, does Romeo kind of see him as like a role model, like he's looking up to him? But I can't remember what the age difference is. I'm looking this up really quickly. Uh, High is 29. Oh, okay. oh wow. So, okay, so Romeo is actually 37. Romeo, I thought he was a lot younger than that. Romeo is 37 high as 29 um and yeah so actually in a way you know romeo says you know i i'm older and i've had to live my life a certain way but i have so much respect for high being younger and also part of this community and he's been willing to live his life a certain way so i thought it was pretty cool to see and yeah i mean like people are saying in the chat i think you know they're both likable i think high is very likable omer's very likable this is a very likable cast overall you have some villains, but it's a group that you want to root for. And I think there's a lot of players left that you would be happy to see win, depending on who you're a fan for. Um, now, Omer then walks up to this group uh, of Romeo and High on the beach. And I think this is before um, the commercial. And Omer says, okay, how are you both feeling? Uh, what do we want to do? And as we see a couple times tonight, High does not want to work with Chanel. I feel like I feel like that he should try to not isolate Chanel as much because it could come back to bite him and his group. Because I think Chanel has picked up on the fact that clearly she's on the outs. So I think they shouldn't be as blatant about it. But, you know, hi, like he says, I want to be the driver, not the passenger. This is like a repeat of Edge of Extinction where you have who's the pilot, who's a passenger. But hi is quick to say to Omer, you can't trust Chanel. You just can't. You, she will tell information and she can't be trusted. This was such an interesting part of the episode because this is where Hi says to Omer, hey, just so you know, she lost her vote at the summit. And Omer's like, oh, okay, thank you for telling me. I now know when I go to Tribal, I don't have a vote tonight. And this looks so bad for Chanel. Again, I, I really like Chanel, but this is so bad because now Omer does not want to trust Chanel either. Because according to what we saw, she hasn't told him yet. And I feel like if I was Chanel, Chanel has to know she made a mistake at this point. She has to know risking her vote was the wrong move. People doing podcasts, everyone has said it's been a bad move. And I think people in the game have realized it's a bad move as well. And I feel like if I was Chanel, I would have went to Omer and I would have said right away, hey, I want to talk with you. We had a good bond on the summit. I really like you. Kim, I want to let you know that I risked my vote. I risked it. I overthought it. I'm sorry. I didn't want to lie to you. I, I just, I made a bad decision, but I wanted to let you know 
So it's coming from me. I want to let you know that you don't have a vote tonight, but I will work with you in this game. And High beats her to the punch. And High gets to him first and says, Omer, you don't have a vote tonight. And now Omer does not want to trust Chanel either. I think I saw this in the chat as well, that a lot of people got saved tonight. Tori got saved because she won immunity. Otherwise, she would have left. And I guarantee you, if Roxroy didn't smash the hourglass and Chanel was vulnerable, I think Chanel would have left tonight. So both of them got saved by way of the twist and then by also immunity. So, yeah, this was not great for Chanel because then the next thing we see is this eight-person group form. So people can keep me honest in the comments. I counted nine people. Maybe let me know if somebody's not included or if I counted too many people. But I have here the eight-person alliance was High, Lydia, Mike from the green, Jonathan, Omer, Lindsay from orange, Andrea, Roxroy, and Romeo from blue. I think the one person I'm counting that I shouldn't be is Romeo, right? It's an eight-person alliance, but I just counted nine. I know that Jonathan wanted to pull in Omer and Lindsay, and High had Lydia, and Mike and Jonathan are really close. Um, so I guess it's just Drea and Roxroy, right? Because we see later in the episode, Romeo wants to go after Jonathan. He doesn't like, he doesn't like Jonathan. He thinks that Mike is, quote, up Jonathan's ass. So I feel like if Romeo, <coughs> excuse me, wants to go after Jonathan, I don't think he's in that group. So I feel like the eight-person alliance was the ones I just mentioned minus um, minus Romeo. But that's an eight-person group. That's a, that's a super alliance. That's kind of like what you see in Big Brother. That's a big, big alliance in a tribe of 12. And if everything had worked out, you control the vote. Okay, I see. Thank you. So it was eight on the island. It was everyone I mentioned. Technically, Roxroy as well on exile. Thank you. So it's nine. So it really was three from each group, which meant that the only people on the outs was the Chanel's, the Tories, and the Marianne's of the world were the ones that were on the outs. So that was a big group. But even still, we saw Lydia go home tonight. I And we'll go back over this when we get to the uh, tribal council again later. But that group technically could have stuck together and voted out Marianne. But clearly, Omer and others had a few uh, other ideas. But basically, they want to target that big group wants to target Tori, Chanel, and Marianne next. And like I referenced earlier, we see on two occasions Chanel walks up to the group. High says, "Let's keep talking. If we stop talking, she'll get suspicious. Let's just keep it keep it flowing. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, Chanel, come over here." They chat for a second. Hey, how you feeling? Feeling good. We were talking about Roxroy in the uh, island. Oh, cool. Okay, let's go spearfishing. And they immediately split up. And I feel like this does not look good. It doesn't happen just once. It happens twice. Where Chanel walks up, they try to keep talking and make it seem natural. And they just walk away right away. And she's like, this doesn't seem right. You know, I'm going up to conversations and they're, they're, they're breaking up. I'm asking Lydia what's happening. And Lydia's kind of holding back. I, I do think Chanel and High, that, that whole green tribe had a lot of good players where, you know, they're very perceptive and they can pick up on certain cues. And I, and like we saw that with High when Chanel tried to do a split vote with him. And we see it tonight with Chanel seeing this with Lydia. They're picking up on different cues. And I think that's another mark of a good player where if you're talking with somebody and they're chatting with you a certain way, they're making eye contact, they're talking in a happy, positive way, they're not trying to hide anything, they can talk to them again. And they can't look you in the eye. They're muttering. They're, you know, they're not giving you a clear answer. They're like, oh, you know, we'll circle back. 
you pick up on the when on, on when those things changes. Now the best types of liars are the ones who can the best types of liars are the ones who can, you know, keep that tone consistent. So you never know if you're in danger or not. Um, but yeah, no, Chanel clearly is in trouble. I, again, I, I think she has potential, but she's in, she's in trouble here. I, I think the next boots again, unless something flips last minute, I think it would be your, either your Tory or your Chanel or your Marianne's one of the, one of the outsiders from the original tribes, I think can go home here. But it seems like Tori and Chanel are the clear two that are on the hot seat. So something has to change for them because they can just get picked off one by one unless they find some cracks. Um, then the last thing we see before the challenge is Jeff goes to Roxroy and says, Roxroy, here's what the hourglass is. And again, like we said, we all knew. I think we all can agree. We all knew Roxroy was going to smash it. Because number one, the biggest problem with this twist is that you yourself aren't safe. It would be different if Roxroy was safe, one group was safe, and some other group wasn't, and he had a pick to flip the groups. Oh, but you're safe either way. Then he has to say, okay, well, what is what is the best move for me to make? Do I keep this group safe because they won, or do I keep this other group safe? But because he himself can go home, you have to save yourself. It's self-preservation above all else. Like I mean, Sandra always used to say, as long as it ain't me. And Roxroy doesn't want to go home especially because the person who leaves tonight doesn't make the jury. And by the way, that, that's always sucked. I've, I've always hated whoever doesn't, like the people who make the merge. Sometimes the merge boot doesn't make jury, doesn't happen all the time, but it's an unfortunate for someone like Lydia who technically made the merge, is not on the jury. But I guess according to the, the legalese of the game here, you're not officially merged yet. But anyway, that's number one where Roxroy has to save himself. But number two, his allies are in danger. He, Romeo and Drea are in danger with him. And if he doesn't change history, one of the three of them are going home. And there's only six people eligible. So you're telling me the audience is supposed to be shocked and on the fence of, oh my God, what's going to happen when he and his allies have a 50% chance of going home? It's not going to happen. Oh, and then number three, Tori's on the, on the, other, on the other group. And he doesn't like Tori. So if you add up all those factors, Roxroy's safety, Tori's over there, and Dre and Romeo are in danger, you knew he was going to smash it. So now that he smashes it, the people who are now in danger is Marianne, Tori, Lydia, Jonathan, and Hi. And Tori wins immunity. And like we said earlier, I think if Tori loses this challenge to either Jonathan or Lindsay, whoever was the next closest... She would have gone home here, I think. I think they I think the blue tribe would have been happy to see her go, and the other people would have said, Okay, you want to lose one of your numbers and we can take them out and keep our other numbers safe? Yeah, please, let, let's do that. So Tori's safe, that that plans out the window. Chanel's now safe. It looks like the people who are in the most danger is Jonathan and Marianne. Now, I thought at first, before Omer stepped in here, I thought this made sense. I thought, okay, well, this kind of sets up what they talked about, where we had Marianne and Jonathan arguing last week about Mario Kart and about, you know, the, the whole swinging of the axe near her foot. They were arguing. They want to go after each other. Then we really see it this week when they're at the puzzle and they're kind of jabbering at each other back and forth, like, I think you should turn the pieces over. No, I'm fine. Stop it. And I was saying, okay, well, this is going to eventually lead to something. So when we see now, okay, it sounds like it's going to be either Jonathan going home or Marianne going home. 
Marianne wants him gone. He wants her gone. That's what I thought was happening. A, a classic A or B scenario. Because Jonathan is clearly a physical threat. And people seem on board. And Marianne has an extra vote and, and an idol. And even though she can be annoying, she is likable to some people. So they're both viable targets. So that makes sense. Who will go? Romeo wants Jonathan gone. You know, Lindsay clearly wants Marianne gone. And Jonathan wants that too. So one of them should go home. Then we get the classic thing where a third option enters the window. Omer says, okay, well, I don't want to lose my Taku group. Yeah, I, I am in a tight alliance with Jonathan. Me, Jonathan, and Lindsay are a strong three. Marianne's our fourth in Taku, but she's more on the outs. But she's still an asset for me. Because even if somebody's on the outs, you don't want to lose an asset in the game. You always talk about you want to wrangle in the people on the outs. You don't want to leave them cast aside where someone else can pick up those pieces and use them against you. So Omer says, well, I don't want Jonathan to go because he's my he's my number one or my number two with Lindsay. And I don't want to lose Marianne as a possible piece. So who should go here? He realizes maybe Lydia should go. I wasn't on Lydia's tribe. It's not Jonathan, Lindsay, or Marianne. And I seem to like Hi more. Hi and I have a good connection. Why not go after Lydia? Because that also weakens Hi. You cut off one of Hi's allies. You weaken him in the game severely. So Omer now starts going around to get the votes. And he says to Drea, he talks to other people and says, I think Lydia should go. And now it's like, okay, we have a three-person decision. Is it Jonathan, Lydia, or is it uh, um, is it Marianne? Now, like we saw, and as I mentioned earlier, the key thing here that I thought was interesting is that he goes to High. Clearly, he still wants to work with High, or he respects High enough where he says, I think it's going to be Lydia tonight. Because for all we knew, for all he knows, Lydia and High can have an idol. They could play their shots in the dark. They could try to get Lydia safe by any means necessary now that they have this information. But he still goes to them and says, I think Lydia should go. This is what people want to do. But I wanted to get your perspective. And Mike, because Mike and High are very close, says, I will do High whatever you want to do. And High, you could say, you could see right away, he's like, this is not happening. I'm not losing my number one ally. I, went, I was willing to go to Rocks for this girl. I can't lose that number. So he goes to get the votes. And I think, like I said earlier, as we see in the end, he actually votes out Lydia along with Mike. So I think what they realized in this moment was the votes aren't there. We don't have the votes to save her. We want to work with Jonathan and Lindsay and Drea. And uh, we want to work with that group. And, and Omer as well, but Omer couldn't vote. We want to work with this group, but they don't want to work with Lydia. And if we vote to keep Lydia and we're on the outs, then we could be the next targets. So I think in the end, what Hi and Mike realized was, okay, we got to just concede and we have to show that we are, you know, loyal. So, you know, I think it's a very interesting discussion of, you know, how far do you go to save an ally? Do you save them no matter what to hopefully save them, but put yourself at further risk of being pushy and being an outcast? Or do you concede and say, I have to kind of keep myself in the game first and foremost above all else? I think it's a really interesting discussion to think about. And before I get to questions, the last thing I would say that was kind of funny was uh, Drea and Marianne's argument where I can, I, Drea was, you know, trying to be nice, but, you know, Marianne's like, oh, you know, we agree. And Drea's like, no, 
And Marianne says, okay, but we'll agree to disagree, but you can kind of see it my way. And Drea's like, no, I don't. So, I mean, Drea is a very straight shooter. She's going to tell it like it is. And Marianne's like, oh, no, we're all good. And Drea's just not having any of it. But that was that was kind of funny to me. All right, so let's get to your questions. Um, thank you to everybody, Lightning, Ohio State, um, a few others earlier. If you have any questions or comments, put them in the chat, and I will go through them right now. And then as a reminder, I will be live with Dylan on Friday or Saturday to get his thoughts, and we'll go over some of this again. Maybe if anything new comes out, new information, we can talk about that, but we will see what happens. Um, you know, Ohio State talks about how Omer was the MVP of the episode, because not only does he save Taku, he takes out Lydia. So I, I would agree with this. I think if you had to say who was the player of the episode, or as Stephen would say, who gets the fishy, it, it's Omer. Because the thing that you have to realize is that Omer led the vote tonight without having a vote. He wasn't able to vote with his alliance, but he was still able to drive it in a way that made sense. And he was able to kind of get what he wanted to happen because the best players can get what they want to happen to happen, but also convince others that's in your best interest too. So clearly he was able to get high as number one ally out and he even got high and Mike to go along with it. And people who were left out of the vote, I'm sure Omer will explain to them, you know, why this happened as well. So I think Omer did a very nice job at controlling the game without seeming too forceful. He wasn't like forcing people to vote that way. He wasn't um, saying it's my way or the highway. He was just trying to make sure his strategy is the one that paid off. And he kind of swayed the votes tonight. So I think Omer for sure was the MVP of the episode. Um, let's see. Uh, a couple comments here that I'm pretty upset that the hourglass was in the game to begin with. And the hourglass twist is still stupid, but at least it was very stupid. So just stupid. Yeah. I mean, I've seen almost no one defend this. Like, I feel like the only people who would like the hourglass is production and maybe some people who just, they, they watch Survivor just for fun and it's a, it's a fun thing to see. But for those of us who love the game, the strategy, analyzing the players and their movements, this it's just not a fun variable. It's just not a great twist to lie to the players and tell them that they're safe and then they're not. The best thing they could have done if they wanted an hourglass was to have them play the challenge again. That That, that would have been maybe the best thing because other than that or or maybe or maybe reshuffle the groups because at this point you're just lying to the players and i guarantee you jonathan maybe like danny reen jeff out that's what i would be i i would not be surprised if we ask lydia in exit interviews and she says tomorrow that jonathan and others were very vocal against jeff i don't think we see this ever again um let's see what is our next question here um so Christian wanted to know earlier, why do you think High versus Omer? So I guess the question is, like, why did they face off? Or, you know, you know, what what why do we think that, you know, they couldn't get on the same page? But I guess my interpretation of this is just they're both great players. They're both people who know the game, they're fans of the show. And I guess they both wanted their plan to work tonight. High, you know, wanted to protect Lydia at first. He wanted Marianne to go because she wasn't in that, you know, that, that core eight. Um, or I guess he would have been fine maybe with Jonathan going over Lydia. And I guess Omer had the votes. Omer was able to convince High. And Omer, in the end, was able to win this, this game of chess. Now, I'll be curious next week if High decides to 
you know, still stick with this group or if he's looking to see if there's other options out there. But I, I would not be upset if we had a high and Omer chess match this season to see who wins week to week. That would be very, very interesting to watch. Lightning asks, Ryan, how do you personally feel about Lydia being voted out? Yes, Jonathan was saved, but we still lost Lydia and she didn't play a bad game. So Lydia is somebody who I feel like a lot of the fans that I've seen or people on Twitter, I feel like they don't have a great um, under, not understanding. I, I feel like, you know, they don't have a great visibility into her because we didn't see her that much. I think if you looked at the confessional counts, she, along with Lindsay, got some of the least confessionals this season so far. And I feel like, you know, people don't know what to make of her because they haven't seen her that much. But, you know, she was still, you know, interesting. I feel like, you know, this is a great group of players. And I feel like her working with High was interesting to watch. I feel like in that partnership, we saw High a lot more than Lydia. We kind of saw that High was the one making some of the decisions and Lydia was willing to back him up. But she wasn't doing a lot of the pushing herself. So High has more agency in the game. So I feel like, you know, I, I do feel bad for her. I do feel bad that you make the merge, fake merge, and she doesn't make the jury. I do feel bad about that. And it's got to suck to be that close to the jury and be voted out, especially when you want immunity and you were supposed to be safe. But I think a lot of people on Twitter probably are happier, depending on who you're a fan of, that either Marianne was safe or Jonathan was safe. And probably the smallest amount of people would have been happy if, you know, Lydia was safe. But, you know... Uh, I think it was interesting to see, you know, you know, to see how she was playing with high. If Tori didn't win the immunity, do you think Tori would have gone home? Yeah, I, I mentioned this a few times. I definitely think if Tori didn't win, she would have left unless some last minute flip happened. But, you know, you know, for a fact, out of the 12 people there, technically 11, since Omer couldn't vote, you knew that Roxroy, Drea and Romeo all would have been pitching for Tori to go. And I guarantee you the others would have said, we will happily let one of your blue tribe members go and keep our group safe for now. Even if Chanel's still on the outs, even if Marianne's still on the outs, we can let Tori go and that's no skin off our backs. So I think she was saved by winning immunity tonight. And it's a great challenge, by the way. I, I love that challenge. I love how it's a challenge that anybody can win. It's a fair challenge. Anybody can come back. All it takes is one drop and you're back in the game. The, the winner can be decided at any point of that. So I think it's a fun challenge to watch. And, you know, I was on the edge of my seat to eventually then see Tori win. Um, a couple comments here, not questions, are talking about High's likability and how High reminds them of Ricard. But High is very likable and High has similar mannerisms to Ricard in that they're very analytical and they're strategic. The high comes off more likable. I think it's an interesting comparison, and not just because they both were on the green tribe on their season. Uh, I feel like I can see the comparison there. They both are players who are not afraid to make moves. They're not afraid to be who they are, and they're willing to deceive if that means furthering their game. They have no problem with a morality uh, compass. So yeah, I think it's a, it's an interesting comparison. I would agree. I think high to the viewers comes off as a bit more likable i mean you know I, I think ricard was pretty fun to watch as well i was a fan of ricards but i think it's an interesting comparison and assessment to kind of you know think about also um let's see oh i saw this a couple times so now we saw we see tory and people are saying will tory be our zero vote finalist is tory the angelina will she get to the vote well she sorry will she gets to final three and get zero votes this season so this is very interesting to me 
I feel that you guys might be right. I feel like if Tori was going to go, it could have been the merge boots. Now, to be fair, we still have the first person on the jury next week. I would not be surprised if Tori is the first person on the jury. I, if she goes at final 11, that wouldn't surprise me. That being said, if Tori escapes next week, I feel like you, you all are right. I feel like she'll be dragged to the end. Because at this point, nobody can trust her. Kind of like Angelina. She kind of acts all over the place. People see her. They say, okay, we know we can't trust you, but we're not going to waste a vote on you because we can just take you to the end and win. I feel like Tori could be a zero vote finalist. The only other person that I think could maybe fill that role is Chanel. Because Chanel also is perceived as kind of sloppy. And she's also perceived as somebody who can't be trusted. I feel like you can say at this point, whoever goes first, Tori or Chanel, I feel like you can pencil the other person in for final four or final three. That's my thoughts. I don't think they both make it to final three. I think only one of them makes it there as the zero vote finalist. But I think comparing her to Angelina and others who are dragged to the end, I think that's a very apt... I think, I think it's an apt comparison because you see how she interacts with everybody. Even when Roxroy, even when Roxroy comes back from the exile and and, Tor, and Jeff's like, Tori, you look upset. And Tori's like, I gave you a gift. I gave you a gift to get a power. I was doing you a favor. And you see Mike and others laughing. That's what makes me think of the Angelinas and others in that spot. Because, and granted, don't get me wrong. I love Angelina. We all know that Angelina and David versus Goliath is one of my favorite seasons. And Angelina is a big part of that. But to be fair, the other players did also give Angelina some some ridicule as well. And if Tori's getting that same type of reaction from the other players that aren't even in the argument, that does not bode well for her game. So either I think she's the first jury member or she could be our zero finalist. Um, let's see, go back and people are talking about the hourglass. People are talking about um, this. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, this comment here when it says, you know, Jeff and production will learn a lot from 41 and 42. We talked about this already. I feel like they're going to hear fan feedback. They cannot repeat twists that everybody knows about, like the beware and like the, um, the uh, what's it called? The hourglass. So I feel like if you didn't like those, you're not going to see them again next season, hopefully. Because at this point, from the players in the game and the fans, Jeff has to know what the reaction is to some of these twists. Uh, let's see. I think we had some questions more towards the bottom here. Let's see. Um, this is also was interesting, too, talking about how Jonathan may not do the best in balance and non-physical challenges. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's not going to beast out everything. And what, like we heard from Lindsay, he's not good at puzzles. Now, I don't know if that was foreshadowing that Jonathan could make it far and then lose on a puzzle because he just can't do that. But in this challenge that was all about balance, he was one of the best three. He was in it. Lindsay was in it and Tori was in it. So he could win some balance stuff. I mean, yeah, if it's a challenge where you need to hold up your body mass, yeah, he has more body mass to hold up. So he could be at a disadvantage there, but you could tell me Jonathan wins any challenge except for a puzzle. And I would believe you swimming balance, uh, endurance, um, you know, like, um, you know, the, 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 the motion when it's, you know, putting the balls in the shoot, he could win anything. I would not be surprised. Uh, let's see here. Um, yes. And then I see a couple comments here about Mike and how Mike is underrated and how Mike can go pretty far in the game. 
And I feel like, like everybody agrees. People like Mike and he has some good potential to be our winner. I think he's one of the four most likely winners, but again, anything can change. But I think a lot of people are liking him. He's playing well and I think he's underrated. And then the next comments talk about the editing and how the editing is more consistent this season. I agree with that. Ohio State asks, do you think if the hourglass twist wasn't present, uh, would Chanel have gone home? Yep, I like with Tori. If Tori didn't win immunity, she was gone. And if Chanel didn't have the hourglass twist there, I think Chanel would have gone home as well. She would have been the merge boot um, if she was unsafe. Because if you think about it, Tori was going to go home in that group, and then it became down to Marianne and Jonathan with Lydia being the eventual uh, deciding. It, she, Lydia went home in the end. If the other group was safe, and now you're looking at Tori, not Tori, you're looking at Omer, you're looking at Chanel, Romeo, Mike, Andrea. Oh, yeah. I mean, of that group and Roxroy, Chanel goes because you're not going to lose Omer there. I don't think Drea and Romeo go here. Mike is too well liked by everybody. And I think even though Tori might push for Roxroy, Chanel, I think, would have been the clear boots if she didn't get saved by the hourglass here. Uh, let's see. What other questions do we have? I think we only have a few more. Um, thank you, everybody, for sticking with me for the last hour. It's been a lot of fun to go over this with you. Um, let's see. Yeah, so then a couple comments on Chanel. Uh, you know, Chanel might go soon and she could be a zero vote finalist or she could be the first member of the jury. Chanel is perceptive. She knows she's at the bottom unless people implode. And we see all the time that cracks could happen. We see in Cambodia, you have the big, big alliance, like the Jeremy's, the Savages, you have that group. Then you have the witches of Abby, Wentworth, and Cass, and Sierra. And even though they do go home, you know, every other, every couple votes, there are cracks. And they don't go home back to back to back. You know, someone on the outside goes home, then someone flips, and then someone in the majority goes. And an outsider leaves, then the majority. So Chanel knows she's at the bottom. Because as people are saying, she is self-aware. She is in danger, but all she needs are cracks to form. All she needs is, Tori says, ooh, you know, let's go after Drea. Okay, Tori might go. But then people say, wait, you know what? Let's consider Drea. Let's consider Drea because she has a lot of advantages in the, in the game. So Chanel is in danger. She's one of the two more likely boots next week. But that being said, if any cracks can form, I have confidence that she could maybe slither her way in to avoid being the next boot. Okay. Uh, I have four last questions here, unless anything else comes in. But Lightning wants to know, do you like the Majority Alliance? Because I know people don't like it in general, but everyone seems likable. Yeah, I think it comes down to what your opinion is on big alliances. I know on Survivor and then for those who watch Big Brother, it's never fun to watch a huge alliance steamroll. It's never fun to see a group of people, oh, but half or more than half of that whole group is aligned. And we're just going to pick off the outsiders one by one. It doesn't make for fun TV. You want to see either two sides of the show where, okay, we have this group versus this group. And people are going to swing back and forth. Like Kageon, you have the, you have your, um, your, your, the Orange Tribe. You have, you know, your Spencers, your Tashas, your Morgans. You have the Aparis. Versus the Solanas with Trish, LJ, and Cass. But then you have Tony and Wu swinging back and forth. That's fun to watch. Another thing that's fun to watch is like Cambodia voting blocks. You have an alliance, but you have two people here. You have three here, two here, four here. That's 
fun to watch when it's either a lot of moving parts or two sides. No one likes a big majority alliance, but that being said, to Lightning's comment, um, you know, it is likable people. You know, Mike, you have, um, you know, you have Hi, you have Drea, you have uh, Jonathan. Like, you have people in there who a lot of people like. And I feel like if you want to see anyone succeed, it could be those players. So I'd be curious to know what the fans think. Well, thank you, Ohio State, for the uh, feedback. I appreciate the uh, kind words. Uh, I'm trying to do my best <laughs> being by myself tonight. Uh, Ohio State wants to know as well. Ooh, this is actually a good question, and I want to save this question to ask Dylan as well. Did you like the merge episode of this season better or the one from 41 better? So this is interesting for a couple of reasons. Number one, last season, it was split into two parts. We had an hour on one week where it said to be continued with Erica's decision, even though we all knew what she was going to do. And then we had another week where we saw then Sydney go home as the fake merge, you know, boot. This time, they put it all into one episode, which I like better. So points for 42. It's all in one episode. We get two hours. We get to see right away what the decision is from Roxroy. Although for 41, we did get a shot in the dark plate, even though it didn't matter. And that Tribal Council was pretty exciting. Although people got up, and I, and I don't like people getting up either. I've been very happy that no one's gotten up from their seat, by the way. I'm, I, if, if you're new here, I'm more of a fan of the old school survivor when people stayed in their seats and they whispered instead of getting up and having conversations. But I think overall, I would say this episode better. I think maybe I just like the season better. I think I like the cast better. <coughs> Excuse me. Hope I didn't blow anyone's ears out with that. Um, but yeah, I think this just was more exciting to watch because... I just feel like, you know, even though we knew what Rockroy's decision was, it was cool to see, you know, it be either Jonathan or Marianne, but then Lydia becomes a new option. And it was all in one episode and we see Tori, you know, on the out. So I feel like this was better to watch. But, you know, I'd be curious to know if anyone else thought 41 was more fun to watch as a merge episode, at least. I think more people are enjoying 42 as a season, if I've heard correctly. Um... Do you think any other post-merge twists will be tweaked? Or do you think they'll be the same as last season, like Monty Hall and Final Five? So Monty Hall, um, the do or die twist, as it was called, I feel like it'll stay mostly the same. I know Jeff is saying that we're going to tweak variables here and there. I wonder how you tweak do or die, because technically the... the First of all, it, it, it's it's not a great twist, but it's at least fine because you have a choice to sit out. If you didn't have a choice and you were forced to play and you got eliminated, that would be the worst twist ever. So I feel like the only way to tweak it is if the odds change or maybe maybe like the last two people. Maybe there's some way to tweak it, but I think it'll be mostly the same. And then for the final five advantage that Erica found where she had the advantage in the challenge, I think, um, I think that might say the same. Ohio State's last question. Um, before I saw one more from Julia, was what are your, some of your post-merge bold predictions for the season? Okay, bold predictions. I feel like a safe prediction is that Omer really emerged as a winner candidate tonight. I think he had good pre-merge vibes, but he really, really stood out tonight. I want to say as a bold prediction that High can still win the season. I think High could still be our winner, but he's very far in front. We're getting a lot of High content, so... I don't know if that means he wins. I don't know if that means that he's our fallen angel or if he goes in the shan spot. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I hope he wins because he's on my draft team and I really want to see him win. 
But, you know, he could still win, though he's very out in front. In terms of a bold prediction, what's what's bold? So I feel like a safe prediction is that High will win or Mike or Omer could win. I guess the two bold predictions I have is that Chanel could make her way back into a majority. I think that's pretty bold. I think she's kind of on the outs. But I think it could happen where she finds a group, but they drag her to the end. It's like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll work with you, but you're not going to win. That's a bold prediction. Another bold prediction is that I don't know. Maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I don't think that Lindsay is going to be a huge power player in the game, but she clearly had some sway because people considered Jonathan and she tried to push them away from Jonathan by saying, well, Marianne has some advantages and Jonathan sucks at puzzles so we can beat him later on. So I'm not saying Lindsay could be a big power player, excuse me, but I have a feeling that she could um, be a player. That's a bold prediction. And then the last question I see here is from Julia. Who do you think will be voted out next week? All right. If I had to pick one person, I guess I could say Tori, but I feel like Tori's the chalk pick every week. I feel like every episode in the pre-merge, I said, well, the Blue Tribe's going to lose and Tori's going to go. And then Zach went and Swathy went. And then I said, okay, well, other weeks she'll leave. And then Orange or Green lost. <laughs> so I could say Tori, but I feel like that's the chalk pick and it's not going to happen. I don't want to say Chanel. I really don't. I think it could be Chanel. I think Chanel or Tori. I think my, my answer is either Chanel or Tori. If I had to pick one, I would say the chalk pick of Tori, but it wouldn't surprise me if Chanel goes. As for who I think is safe next week, like who is not going to go out, I think Omer's in a great spot still. I don't think Omer goes anywhere. I think Drea still seems like she's in a good spot for now, unless people start to get scared of her advantages. And I think Mike is in a really good spot. But this is a chaotic merge, and this is a chaotic group of players. Like we said, this is a hot mess express in time. So Tori could go. Chanel, it could flip on Roxroy. It could flip on Marianne. It could flip on Romeo. Like anyone could go here. The safest people I feel like are Omer, Mike, and also potentially uh, Drea, but you know, anyone else in this mer, and I think High is in a good spot right now. For although, although he did lose Lydia, so he did lose some stock tonight. But anyone can go, and anyone can be safe. This is a really chaotic merge. We're not seeing a clear path to the end, which I think makes for a good season. Okay, I've been live for an hour and fourteen minutes. Uh, anyone who stuck with me this long, thank you so much. I appreciate all of your comments and all of your feedback. It's always fun. Like I say, every single week, the best part about having a podcast and watching Survivor is getting to share with others and talk with the community. So I really appreciate everyone that was here tonight, Lightning, Ohio State, Julia, Christian, everyone who is uh, here in the chat. I really appreciate all your feedback and comments. Uh, as a reminder, one last time, Dylan and I will be live either Friday or Saturday maybe Thursday, but probably Friday or Saturday to go live with his thoughts on the episode and we'll answer even more questions. Maybe maybe we'll pull up some graphics or something uh, to kind of just show new positioning for the merge, but we'll go over all of that. I don't think it'll be just as long. I don't think we, we'll do a whole nother hour on this. Maybe we'll make it like 30 minutes, 45 minutes, but we will get his thoughts soon and we will tweet out on our podcast um, at Soul Survivor Pod on Twitter when we will be going live. Uh, as always, thank you again, and we've got nothing else for you after this crazy merge of 42, so grab your torches and head back to camp. Good night.